eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. That's Dustin Rhodes and Crawley with you. And the trade deadline is coming up on Tuesday. So right around the corner from now, we'll probably see officially where Ian Happ and where Wilson Contreras goes. We're going to talk to Brett Taylor right now from Bleacher Nation just about the trade deadline, which is right around the corner. Next up on Fly the W, my guest is Brett Taylor from Bleacher Nation live from his blogathon. Brett, how are you feeling so far? I mean, it's early, so I'm good. We got started at 6 a.m. this morning, but like when you get me about 24 hours from now, and then then that's when I'm cracking up a little bit. That, that, that's why I figured I would get you on before all of a sudden you start getting a little loopy, although that's the most fun time to watch. Uh, so here we are here, and, and your blogathon always kind of tends to coincide with the trade deadline, which is absolutely for guys like you and me and any Cub fan, it's just a nutty time, especially the last couple of years. The Juan Soto market has kind of slowed things down so far, wouldn't you say? Yeah. I mean, I think he's so singularly impactful and requiring such a dramatic investment in trade that it would really take only one team being held up by that and waiting to then have an effect on every other team that potentially wanted to deal with that first team. And then the ones after that and the ones after that. And so, I mean, it, it really could be, I'm not saying this is exactly what's happening, but it's, this is very realistic that the Padres are waiting on Juan Soto and the nationals to, to really figure out if they're going to be able to get that done. And if they can't, then they'd be happy to turn to the Cubs and try to put together a big package, whether it's Wilson and Ian Happ or Wilson and David Robertson or all three. Uh, But they're not going to do that until they know what's happening with Soto and the Cubs aren't, probably super interested in moving any of their guys until they know what's going to happen with the Padres and so on and so forth. And that's kind of where I get stuck right here. I'm in a conundrum, Brett, because you have two teams, would you say the top uh, Juan Soto Derby right here? You got the Cardinals, our hated rivals, and then you have the Padres. And so it's almost like if the Cardinals get Juan Soto, 
they become a better team, but they deplete their farm system and some of their young talent. And so I think that for the Cubs, the best trade would be with the Padres when you talk about whether Wilson or Ian or whatever. So as a Cub fan, I keep scratching my head. Do I want Juan Soto to go to the Cardinals? <laughs> yeah, and I get that. It's um, it's an unfortunate position that we fans are in because I just can't for the life of me imagine uh, watching Juan Soto on the Cardinals for the next two and a half years or longer because you just know they will extend it. Like, you just know. You know it. And so yeah. <laughs> uh, I try to – then, then I land. I'm like, okay, well, Cubs dealing with the Padres is probably the best, but is it like organizational changing as compared to the Cubs dealing with some other teams uh, at this deadline? Probably not. So, I think if you really, you know, pinned me down, I'd probably say I would still rather Soto went to, like, if it were only those two teams, probably it's rather he goes to the Padres than the Cardinals. Uh, but you're right. It, it could end up being that if he goes to the Cardinals, we'll look back and we'll be like, dang, that was really great that it worked out that way for the Cubs because X, Y, and Z followed. But mostly I'm just rooting that he doesn't go anywhere. And then we get to have fun conversations in the off season about how the Cubs should go after Juan Soto. I like your thinking there. And, and, you know, I'm sitting here just looking at everything, waiting like everybody. There's a couple minor deals, Zach McKinstry for Chris Martin. So he's kind of like what a utility guy. That that may and and he may play. He's he's on the team right now. May come into play a little bit. And then there was another minor deal where we saw Dixon Machado, who had an important hit by pitch yesterday, go for <laughs> Renal uh, Espinal. So the small deals are coming. The small deals are happening, but the bigger deals are yet to come. Still, yeah, it's the stuff that's not potentially connected to anything else that can go. Um, like I think it's. I'm trying to think of when it was, but before the weekend started, it seemed pretty plausible that at least one reliever would go. Um, and as we saw, like you said, Chris Martin went to the Dodgers for Zach McKinstry. Interesting return, by the way, like you said, the utility guy who's on the team now, who's really more of a um, potentially useful guy in 2023 and beyond rather than, you know, a high risk, high upside 18 year old prospect. So I kind of dug that return in terms of, wanting to be hopeful for next year not because McKinstry himself makes the difference between the Cubs competing and not but instead because maybe it signals what they want to try to do with the roster for next year I think from here though we might not see a lot from the Cubs until things start shaking out nationally because even with a guy like just say Michael Givens it's possible the Cubs could deal him in a way that's not connected to anything else just a one-for-one -one kind of deal but it's also possible they want to hang on to him just in case that when things do start to shake out, imagine you have an Ian Happ suitor who's like, yes, we are willing to give you the robust package that you're looking for, but we're going to need Michael Givens thrown in too. Right. And so I think there's probably a little bit of caution to uh, deal Givens and certainly David Robertson until you know how some of the bigger picture stuff's going to shake out. Right. And when we're looking right now, you got these top tier Cubs trade pieces. You look at Wilson and Happ and Robertson, uh, all three of those guys and, and any kind of type of packaging that you're talking about. Are you concerned at all that Wilson may have hurt his trade value a little bit? He struggled in July and this is obviously worn on him, but people know what Wilson is. Yeah, I think both long term and just within the season, I think there's enough of a foundation of performance there for a bad month not to necessarily move the needle too much. I mean, 
I think it's fair to ask if there was potentially a, a suitor that was on the fence already, and, and maybe this does give them pause, but it's 85 plate appearances. You know, a month sounds like a long time, but for him, you got the all-star break in there. It's 85. He had 290 before July of right. like just rock star performance. So I would hope that that's, that prevails in the thinking. And then also you dig in under the hood. He's had some bad luck. You know, his bat pips barely over 200. The contact quality isn't that bad. So I think, and then you throw in the, the whole thing where like, he, he obviously wants this to just be over. He wants the deadline to be passed to know where he's going to be to feel settled again. And, um, uh, he, I, Brett, I think that, yeah, he, he looked and sounded defeated last, like miserable. He just, he, he said it, he wants it to be over. Yep. And you, you know, you can imagine, especially because he was looking at this happening last year, you know, he's on the other side of it and knowing it, that that might be me 12 months from now. Right. Like he, although it's only been the last week that it seems like he's let it be visible to us. He has to have been wearing this for a long time. Um, I, I just, I can only imagine what it's like to live your life like that, knowing, okay, this day's coming, this day's coming, this day's coming. And um, it's really unfortunate that it came to that. Uh, but that's, that's his reality. And I just hope for him, he ends up on a great team, can contend, can, you know, be in a good situation this off season to get a great contract, all that good stuff, you know, cause you know how it is for us. We just, we want good things for a guy that we liked cheering for him that we think is a good person. Right. Always the best for those guys. But with Wilson, it's like the, this has been going on all season long. I feel like Ian Happ chatter really has picked up in the last month and month and a half. And now it looks like he possibly could be the Cubs best trading chip. Yeah. I mean, I think nobody was, we weren't thinking all year that Hap was obviously going to be a trade piece for a couple of reasons. One, obviously the extra year of control. And so you, when you think about trade deadline, you're just sort of default mode is to think about rentals and guys who are going to be free agents. But also we were thinking about, you know, we want the Cubs to compete in 2023 and Hap emerges as a, a very good bat. He's, he's locked in and left field. You want to have that for next year. But what, what happened in the interim is, Cubs had some internal developments on the positional side. You can see the system becoming increasingly weighted toward outfielders. Um, and I think, I, I suspect uh, the combination of Hap breaking out like he did and the Cubs looking at themselves and thinking, okay, where are we going to be able to make moves that are going to impact the organization long-term and not have it be a serious blow to our competitiveness? And I think they probably did that evaluation and came to the conclusion, okay, Hap maybe is someone we can move and absorb that blow and still be able to put together a contender next year. And it's, it stings and maybe we should have seen it coming before we did. Um, but I just think the circumstances kind of evolved over the last six weeks. Now, let me throw a wild card out there. Uh, you know, we, we saw the returns Luis Castillo brought for the Reds. And I got to tell you, Brad, uh, between uh, the, the, the Reds and what the Pirates have done the last couple of years, I got a feeling in a couple of years, the NL Central is going to look like it did in 2015, 2016. This could be, you know, obviously our division is not that great right now, but in a couple of years, look out, you know? And that's to say nothing of the Brewers have had some huge explosions on the farm this year. Uh, I think Keith Law's ranking just had Cheerio as the third best prospect in baseball. I mean, he, he's 18. He came out of nowhere and exploded. And then we know that the Cardinals have 
a tremendous system at the top because that's why they're in the Soto conversations. Yeah, it's almost like the Cubs need to the Cubs need more wins on the farm just to keep up with the development they're seeing in the rest of the system. Now, you know that the caveat with that is the Cubs are supposed to have more money than the other organizations in the Central, and they're supposed to spend more. The, the CBA is constructed to advantage the smaller market teams precisely because it expects teams like the Cubs to spend more. We'll see if and when they do. And so the way I'm thinking wild card is, is you saw the haul that the Reds got for Luis Castillo and the absolute need for front end pitching by, by teams in contention. Marcus Stroman's contract's a pretty good contract. And, and, you know, would you think that Marcus Stroman has the potential to be traded after seeing what Luis Castillo brought in? Well, for me, I think, I think about that in a couple of ways. Um, Unlike the Ian Happ situation, where he's got the extra year of control and you want to compete in 2023, but maybe you feel like internally you can absorb that blow a little better. I don't see that being the same on the starting pitching side. I don't see losing Stroman for 2023 as being something that the Cubs could easily cover up internally. So that's one factor. Another is um, Castillo was a lot cheaper. Um, Just, you know, it, the teams care about about that. And although Marcus Stroman's contract is, I think, really good for a free agent, it's not the same as art control. Uh, and then the then thirdly, Castillo's better. I think Marcus Stroman's awesome. I think he's a great number two. Uh, I think he's been a lot better this year than people have given him credit or that some of the results have shown. Um, but he's not Luis Castillo. And so... Right. I will agree with you that return on that deal was surprising. It was surprisingly strong. Um, but I'd be, I just would be surprised if it's going to take, I think the circumstances are such that it's going to take a team approaching the Cubs and saying, we've got to have Marcus Stroman. And I don't know, teams had that opportunity in December and the Cubs were the top bidder. So you tend to think that's not going to happen. Um, and I'm fine with that because I'm, I'm excited about the Cubs having Stroman for likely the next two years, but at least the next year. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Now, speaking of pitching, the whole point of Miley and Smiley was to flip them, and it just hasn't worked out as far as injury and performance-wise. You still think that there's a chance that those guys get traded before? Well, let's just say, because there's another trade deadline after August. Not anymore. They got rid of it. They got rid of it. Okay, so... You're taking a look here. Do you see Miley and Smiley going anywhere and getting any returns out of anything? Well, it's funny because your question really underscores the issue. Back in the days where we had the waiver trade deadline in August, teams could take a little more time, be like, well, let's see him get a couple more starts, see if he's healthy. Well, that's gone now. It's, it's, it is tomorrow or bust. So I do think there's a chance. There's a team or two out there that's like, you know, we know Wade Miley's track record. We, he looked healthy in his rehab outing or whatever, whatever their evaluative metrics are. Um, we just would like to have him in the fold and we can't get him next week. We can only get him right now. Let's offer the Cubs something modest and see if we can make a deal. Same thing with Smiley. I mean, more or less everything you could say about one, you could say about the other. Um, so 
pack it, you know, put them together for guessing purposes. And I'd say it's, it's 50, 50, at least one of them goes. Uh, but in either case, I wouldn't expect the return to be really significant because it's just going to take a team being like, Hey, you know, we'd like to take a chance on him. We're not going to pay you huge for him, but uh, we'd like to take a chance. And I think the Cubs would do that uh, with at least one of them in part, because I think they're going to be okay with having some of those innings open in August and September for some other pitchers that they want to look at. Now a name that, that kind of started to pop up lately is Patrick wisdom. And, and can you see a team that's contending saying, Hey, you know, the guy's got some pop wouldn't, wouldn't be bad to have on the team. Could you see wisdom possibly getting traded today? I think it makes a lot of sense um, for a variety of reasons. You know, he's uh, older, obviously. So his, his best performance could be this and next in the next year. And uh, that coincides with him still being pre-arbitration, which means there should be virtually any, you know, uh, market size would be willing to accommodate him. Uh, that's very attractive to some teams. And for the Cubs, while they no doubt, like having him for the same reasons, you know, if they're going to pursue an infielder in free agency, um, you're going to see someone squeezed out. Uh, and with Christopher Morell emerging with Nick Madrigal, you still hope on at second base. Um, you start to think, you know, I'm not saying Patrick wisdom is superfluous, but he kind of like the, the Ian Happ discussion we had, you, can probably replace him internally and not feel such a strong blow, but he's producing league, you know, above league average. You find a team that really wants the power that believes in that bat and uh, doesn't think the defensive metrics this year reflect, you know, his actual ability. I, I think there could be some value there. So I, I would, you know, that's another coin flip in terms of whether it actually happens, but I think he has real value out there. And that's why when I looked at the trade to get uh, Zach McKinstry, I'm like, okay, that's interesting because yeah, McKinstry, good call, another same, yep, yep. So, so you you have two guys, and it's funny because I think for the Field of Dream games, they they just came out with an advertisement with uh, Wisdom on it, Schwindel and Wisdom, and I'm just wondering if there's a possibility that neither of those guys, I don't think they can trade Schwindel, but I'm wondering if his time on the Cubs, you know, when you got to start opening up 40 man spots on the roster. Yeah, and if first base is an area where the Cubs are going to have potentially, you know, maybe Matt Mervis keeps emerging. Um, alternatively, you know, who knows, maybe the deal with the Mets comes together and they get Mark Vientos. And, you know, the first base is a spot, obviously, where you can do a lot of things that you can't do elsewhere. And I think it was a good idea and reasonable to give Frank Schwindel a lot of time this year to see if he really was the guy you hoped he could be after that second half last year. But I don't know that the Cubs are going to feel beholden to, to hanging on to that if it's just not going to happen. And um, especially if there are other bats they want to see, you know, after the deadline. So yeah, it's, I, I agree with you. I don't know that there's going to be a trade out there for him, but um, it is possible that at some point they, they have to move on. Well, you're in this middle of this blogathon. Tell our listeners what the blog, the Bleacher Nation blogathon, is all about. Yeah, man, uh, and thanks again for having me on in it. Uh, like I said, I'm still in the early stages, so you're getting me uh, able to put together coherent sentences. Uh, but I will be doing this thing, the blogging thing, writing, tweeting, video streams, all that kind of stuff for 41 hours straight. Start at six this morning, and I'll end after the Cubs Cardinals game tomorrow night. 
Um, so about 11 p.m. And I do it in conjunction with the trade deadline because we're all going crazy and obsessing and having fun anyway. But I, I thought it would be a nice opportunity to pair that with a fundraiser for Make-A-Wish. And so we, um, you know, if I raise certain amounts of money, I go longer in the blogathon, and uh, we are up to, I think, about $11,000 this year for Make-A-Wish and supporting their mission. You know, the, I think it's easy to see the connection to sports and baseball and the Cubs have been very involved in making a lot of these wishes happen. And so I just, I just have felt very compelled um, by the service that they do and wanting to support in any way that I can. How many years have you been doing this now? This is year, you know, I was just asked that. Yes. I think it's year 12 now. Um, started out a lot shorter. I think the first one was only 24 hours, which I look back at now and I'm like, 24 hours. That's like, I might do that anyway, just if I stayed out late. Uh, so, you know, had to keep beefing it up over the years. And as we get older, it gets tougher. Oh man, <laughs> you are not kidding. Like the prep that I have to do in advance where I'm like, no, I need to get nine hours of sleep for like three days. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a challenge. And so you sit here and, and when do you think like in the last couple of years that you notice that you start getting a little bit punchy around what hour? Yeah. Every year, around three in the morning is when it starts to be where I start have to be more like, okay, you know, really slap in the face and taking the extra drink of coffee and not sitting down. Um, and then usually five, 6 AM sun starts to come up. Your buddy, I think is, is like, Oh, I just got a terrible night's sleep, but it's time to start the next day. Um, whereas three in the morning, your body's like, no dude, miss sleep time. Sit down. What are you doing? <laughs> Uh, so that's, what have, you, have you ever said anything or seen anything or just like start to question your own senses at a certain point in time? I think during that period, especially, and I mean, if it happens after that, people are kind and they don't tell me I'll, I'll reread a sentence, you know, that I typed and I'm like, I don't think that makes any sense. I don't think <laughs> that's what I meant to say. And, um, definitely the typos will take up. Please forgive. If you're a reader, you see tomorrow, just please forgive me. But, uh, Otherwise, hopefully I can, you know, stay at least communicative. It was terrible last year, Crawley, because they, you know, the Cubs are making all of these organization shifting moves for these players that we have loved for a decade. And I'm trying to write and speak eloquently on it after 38 hours of no sleep. So like <laughs> it would, I'm not saying I want them to trade Contreras today necessarily, but like I'd probably be able to opine more thoughtfully on it today than I will be tomorrow. So can people still contribute to the blogathon right now? Because this episode's going out in a couple hours. So if people yes. are listening to this, they can still contribute, correct? Yes, thank you. Uh, so we've still got the link up to Make-A-Wish. Um, you'll be able to see it uh, on my uh, Twitter feed at Bleacher Nation or at the site uh, BleacherNation.com on any of the posts that are about the blogathon. We've got a link right up top to give to Make-A-Wish. And you know, I always tell folks so we've we've met our goal, but if if people want to suggest a higher goal and say, "All right, Brett, but if you do whatever other crazy thing, if we get over fifteen thousand, or hey, I'm I'm down. You just got to suggest it. I, I'm I have no shame. I'll do whatever it takes." <laughs> I, I, yeah, no shame. I mean, we've been there both. Um, but I, I really, like I said, it, it's it's great because you know you know how important these wishes are to these kids, and it's a great thing that you're doing. 
And obviously, Cub fans know to find you at Bleacher Nation, uh, at, at, on Twitter, at your website. Anything else that you want to kind of pump up while you're on here? Uh, I think just uh, thinking about and supporting organizations like Make-A-Wish throughout the year. I mean, it's it's great to have these opportunities where we can spotlight it and raise funds. But, you know, I think where we are in the world, it's nice to be thinking about other people as much as you can. And so if you ever have opportunities, you know, and I know the great stuff you do with Club 400 and um, it just maybe maybe for a couple people out there, just seeing that this is happening is like, a trigger for them to be like, Oh, you know what? Later this year, I'm going to do X or I'm going to contribute to whatever. Just, just think about it. That's all. Yeah. I'm you, you, you know, you say that. And I just think about that a lot that like when I first started going to club 400, it used to be like, I can't wait to meet this player and get this autograph. And then all of a sudden you see the impact of what your actions you know, the money's going to, and it's like, oh my God, I'm helping this person or that person. And seeing that it really kind of changes your opinion. So you know, keep doing the great work that you're doing both, both, you know, you know, giving Cubs information, which is awesome. And then using the platform that you have to do good. We really appreciate it as Cub fans and appreciate you coming on, Brett. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Crowley. It's always good to see you too, by the way. <laughs> all right, my friend. We'll talk to you later. All right. Have a good one and try to stay sane. Plenty of coffee. You do Red Bull coffee or mix it up or what? Yes. Yes, I have all. It's in my fridge. I got one. You name it, I probably have it available. All right, buddy. And, and, and just just a quick question: how, how long do you sleep after this is all over? Like, do you purposely oh, like time your sleep, or do you just let it go? Well, so I used to let it go, and I would sleep fifteen, you know, plus hours. The problem with that is then you feel like crap that day. And so I have learned as I've gotten older, it's better to just do like a a long sleep, not crazy long, but like you know nine hours and then get up and sort of force yourself to have a normal day. Otherwise you're just costing another day. Get the body clock in order. All right. Yeah. If anyone can handle it, my man, you can, I, I hope to see you around Wrigley field soon. And thank you for all that you do. Thanks again, man. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team.